Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to Development Hell. For every horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Korngut. I am the managing editor of Dread Central. I am also a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Development Hell. Today, we are talking vampires. We are talking Nostarafu. We are talking <laughs> Robert Eggers' Nostarafu. The guest is, we can hear her, Mary Beth McAndrews. How's it going? Hi, that's great. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Mary Beth has been here a couple times before. She is the Dread Central Editor-in-Chief, my boss. Mary Beth, how's it going? Can you reintroduce yourself for yes. the Development Hell audience? I can. So, like Josh said, I am the editor-in-chief of Dread Central. That's pretty cool. I work with Josh. Mm-hmm. He's our managing editor. So. I have been writing about horror for a long time, and I love it very much. And I really love vampires. And I'm very excited to talk about this because it's vampires and German expressionism, and it's going to be really cool. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. I had never seen Nosferatu before. No, I have never <laughs> seen Nosferatu before today had you ever seen it before yeah but a long time ago so i remembered nothing okay so we've been refreshed and i'm excited to jump into it today we're going to discuss a couple of things we're going to hit up nosferatu the 1922 film we're going to talk about (laughs) dracula the novel but probably not maybe mary beth is going to talk to us about german expressionism i think i want to get into a little bit about the nosferatu I cannot say. I'm never going to be able to say the title of this movie. So just like, stop judging me, okay? 
until yeah. you judge yourself. Um, glass I houses. I do that every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll no. do a banger start. <laughs> this is going good. The, oh, I'm so sad for tomorrow, Josh editing this. Hi, Josh. Uh, yeah, the Nosferatu cinematic legacy. What does that mean? I want to talk a little bit about Robert Eggers, not because I know much about him, but because I want to learn from you, Mary Beth. Oh, and then oh yeah, yeah. And then last but not least, we're gonna get real deep into the Robert Eggers Nosferatu remake that has yet to see the light of day. Would it be cool if I gave like a little seminar on the original Nosferatu film? Please, I would absolutely love a little seminar about this movie. Well. Nosferatu, a symphony of horror, was a 1922 silent German expressionist horror film directed by F.W. Murnau. It was also starring Mr. Max Schreck as Count Orlock, a vampire. We have the Rife character played by Greta Schroeder and uh, the estate agent played by Gustav von Wagenheim. That sounds mm-hmm. right. That sounds right. So this was a film produced by Prana Film and was a very unauthorized, very unofficial adaptation <laughs> of Bram Stoker's Dracula. It was a ballsy, just complete ripoff, complete hijack. I guess I respect that, but they did get their comeuppance a little bit down the road. So because it was such an illegal crime, <laughs> um, they had to change some of the character names from the Dracula book. So they, instead of Count Dracula, we've got Count Orlock. Okay, but I will say Orlock is a really good name. I was thinking it could be a good drag name would be Count Horlock. Oh my god. Like earlier today. I love that. You always have to kind of commit to the aesthetic, but why wouldn't you want to anyways? Oh, I already have. Uh, Oh, oh man. (laughs) You can also use it for any kind of burlesque performance if you want it. I was going to say, I I love doing sexy horror burlesque, so I might have to steal that. Oh my god, I would love for you to do Count Horlock. I won't even sue you like the Stoker State sued this film. So yeah, as I was saying, the Stoker State absolutely sued this adaptation. And due to a court ruling, basically all or a whole bunch of copies of this film were completely destroyed. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so it was almost eradicated from cinema history. Luckily, a few copies ended up surviving, and the film came to be regarded as a true masterpiece. That's what a wild history. I know. They're just like, we don't care. We're just going to steal it. Maybe no one will notice. The internet doesn't exist yet, right? How how will anyone ever know? They found out. Have you ever read the book? Wild. Yeah, I've read Dracula. Have you? Oh, yes. I have. It's a spooky affair. I love Dracula 2, the sequel. No, just kidding. And I also, it's my favorite Universal Monster movie. It's so, I find oh, it scary. Yeah. Can I go on a mini yeah. tangent about Dracula's I, found I'm footage? Ready. Are you oh, ready for yes, this? Yes, we're, we're prepared. Okay. So Dracula is an epistolary novel, which means it is told through a series of letters. It's not written like a normal narrative book. It's written through a series of letters where, you know, Mina Harker and Jonathan are corresponding about what's going on in their lives. And the epistolary novel is a precursor to found footage. Cause again, you're reading documents, discovered documents compiled into a volume. So it's like you're rewatching events unfold in front of you, like in a found footage movie. So I just think it's really cool that we had a version of this kind of like peak voyeuristic peeking into some like, people's lives in horror before there is even the kind of uh, the subgenre in film. That's super cool. I never put two and two together, but so not Salem's Lot by Stephen King, but he wrote an, a short story in the same 
sort of universe of yeah. Salem's Lot. I think it was a prequel called Jerusalem's Lot was the name of the short story. Night Shift, I think. Yes. And it does exactly what you're talking about. I believe it's all through letters. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. And I think they made it into a TV show last year called Chapel Wait. Did you watch oh, it? Oh, I, did I didn't watch it, but that, yes, I remember it. Mm-hmm. Adrian Brody. Yes. Um, I'm okay with him. I'm very okay he's, with him. I think he's hot. I think he's right? so hot. <laughs> do you do you think I could like give a little bit of a spiel about what Nosferatu the film was about? Oh yeah, could sorry, I, I didn't mean to with interrupt. That... I just wanted to. No, I'm glad that you did. Before but we yes. needed to get something interesting within all of this highbrow knowledge. 1838 in a fictional German town, where this character by the name of Thomas Hutter is sent to Transylvania by his employer to visit a client by the name of Count Orlock who plans to buy this home across from Hutter's own house. It's a setup that we see a lot in like gothic horror. It reminds me, because I just rewatched recently The Woman in Black. Doesn't it kind of have basically the same premise? Are you familiar with that one? No, I don't think it does, though. Well, kind of like a shared trope of like young city gentlemen getting sent off to the spooky. Oh, 100%. It's always like this guy who is Mm -hmm. like a step above sick Victorian child. And he's always like about to be married to the woman of his dreams who's like kind of out of his league. And he's hot though. I feel like he's always so hot. Hunter's hot in this movie. Did you feel that way? I thought, yeah, I thought he was cute. Listen, luscious eyeballs, luscious hair, beautiful man. Um, And there was another beautiful man cast eventually in the Robert Eggers remake. And we're going to have to get to that eventually Uh because (laughs) it's a casting choice that I find especially bizarre for Eggers. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Calm down. Yeah, so basically Hutter goes out to Transylvania, goes to the spooky castle on a hill. There's a scary guy with like big eyeballs and a scary nose and scary fingers. And he's like, I guess I'll sleep here. And then, of course, the guy with the scariness, like, bites him in the night and is like, oops, I'm a vampire. For some reason, they got on a boat together and they go back home. And then the spooky man that may be an allegory for Jewish people will get there, um, bites his wife, then explodes because of sunshine. And then everything's everything's okay. Was that accurate? Yeah, I think that was accurate. That was accurate. I feel good about it. There was a remake. Are you familiar with this in 1979? Did you know yeah, about the, this? the Werner Herzog one. Yes, and the poster art for this 1979 remake, also a German film, as you said, by Herzog, that's the art that I kind of always had imprinted in my mind. Do you know that? Me too. Yeah. I was looking on Shudder, like, to watch Mm -hmm. it, and I was, I forgot about the Herzog one, and they have both of them on Shudder, and I was like, shit, Mm -hmm. the what, the Herzog poster is the one I always think of, but it it, it, I don't know why. I think it's just so iconic, and it's so bright and striking. It's so good. Oh, it's so, so striking. Good. And it looks like it could be from 1922. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we grew up our whole lives maybe assuming that that was a poster for the 1922 film. Absolutely, it is not. Do you mind if I jump into German Expressionism I for a second? I would love if if you would. Cool. So German Expressionism is a obviously German um, artistic movement that took place like before World War I. I think between World War One and World War Two, so it started in like the 1920s, and it was like a a re- reaction to like uprising fascism and a way of rejecting societal norms and kind of no longer portraying things with realism, but taking the world and warping it into something uncanny and strange. 
So, you know, if you've ever seen The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which is another classic German expressionist film, that's very much that with like all the buildings are in weird perspectives and look very sharp. And there's a lot of like very dark under eye makeup to like really emphasize eyes and like kind of play into the horror. And Mm -hmm. German expressionism was basically like the introduction of how to use shadows in a really fascinating way. And I think it's like, it is obviously like from, from then on we've seen how lighting is now used in horror and German expressionism Mm -hmm. takes, can take a lot of credit for how we, how horror decided to use lighting and use it in such an effective way. Um, Very cool. Yeah. It's really kind of forced perspective for like really weird, narrow alleys and, Mm-hmm. Just like messing with your brain in a kind of, yeah, gothic way. Do you remember when you first encountered German Expressionism? Did yeah. It, was there like a first moment? Yeah. So in college, I took a horror film class, um, which was really cool. Um, my sophomore year of college, and we watched The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. And that that one is like the most quintessential German Expressionism film. Nosferatu is too, but... It pl- it's like a little bit more it isn't it's not totally like forced perspective and like totally creepy at first mm-hmm. so but yeah what have you were you familiar with it at all only if, i'm yes i was familiar with it through definition and i had okay. seen caligari but okay. other than that it was just like something people would say around me and i didn't have a lot of <laughs> understanding although i did know i'm ashamed to admit it at this point but i'm a big tim burton fan and I did know that German Expressionism is basically, you know, where he was born from. There would oh, be yeah. no Tim Burton without uh, German Expressionism. Like, you, it's just so hand in hand. Are you a Tim yeah. Burton person? Yeah. I know. Well, listen, we can like, I think we can give a little bit of time to talking about Tim Burton right now. Because I think it's sort of where German Expression led in the popular culture today. Why, for someone that might not know... Why are we being so coy about the topic of Tim Burton? Why why is he embarrassing now? Well, he's embarrassing because he, this is the comment I always think about. It was like, I base my movies off of my dreams and in my dreams, it's only white people. So why would I put people of color in any of my movies? Mm -hmm. Like a direct response to people being like, why are your movies so white? It's very (laughs) fucked up. It's a very fucked up comment. And also like, your dreams suck, buddy. You know, I, I don't know. Also, he said some pretty fucked up stuff on about race in his films. I remember he had a quote about how in black exploitation, no one is pressured to use white actors. So why should he have to like use people of color? And he, like, his logic is very racist and also confusing. So he's a problematic favorite at this point in time. And it's, yeah. Also, like his really most recent movies have all sucked anyway. <laughs> When was the last time Tim Burton made a good movie? I've got an answer. I'm wondering if you have one too. Or would you like me to say mine? You say yours. It's got to be Big Fish. It's got to be yeah, Big Fish from I 2003. Yeah. Because what was after because, Big Fish? Well, we had like Sweeney Todd, which for me was a no. Oh, I liked Well, it's it's not good, but I really, I liked it. It was fun. Yeah, if I, I find it's like kind of like polarizing more so than most of the recent work which is just a no like we also had charlie and the chocolate factory big time no Mm-mm. um although you know yeah big time no there was also alice in wonderland and all Ugh. of like dumbo and the weird disney movies oh, i guess yeah. big eyes wasn't the worst thing i've ever seen there was a good lana del rey song in there oh yeah 
<laughs> but like, oh god, everybody did Dark Shadows. Oh, he ruined Dark Shadows. It was terrible. And on paper, like, it made sense to have him do it. I I'm a big Dark Shadows fan, so I was really. I was really disappointed when that came out because, yeah. oh, and Doctor the parad- home, Paraging Home oh, for Peculiar Parag- Bitches. Yeah. <laughs> that was not for me. Uh, Eva Green is so fucking hot, too, and that movie ruined it. But is she interesting? Because, like, I can't think of a single movie where I was, oh, like, I was really taken. By, from her? Yeah. Oh, my like, God. What's a movie that she's interesting in? Well, she she's incredible in Penny Dreadful. That horror series right. in Showtime. She's the I've main character. Oh, I'm obsessed. And like Josh Hartnett is in it as like a sexy <laughs> well, yeah. werewolf. It's just like uh, it's a, a bisexual dream. Yeah, I mean that 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 that, that duo is a bisexual cornucopia right there. It is very beautiful. <laughs> it is a bisexual cornucopia. That is exactly that is exactly <laughs> it. Oh my god, we I should do a list for work about uh best bisexual pairings in horror movies. Anyway. Oh, I like that because honestly, you could just put anything you wanted to as long as you backed it up properly. Because yep, it's vague time. enough that <laughs> you could do anything. I like it. People really and also like I, it. They'll really understand I, it. <laughs> I should probably cut this, but like now it's my mission to do more sex stuff. So that fits right into that for me. Oh my god, I'm so, so glad. I'm so excited. I love ugh. yeah. Sexy horror <laughs> is the shit. Okay, and speaking of sexy horror, Bram mm. Stoker's Dracula. We've talked about this mm-hmm. a million times, like one on one. But Bram Stoker's mm-hmm. Dracula, the 1992 film by Francis Ford Coppola, is the sexiest movie and horror movie of all time. It's and so I sexy. Will defend that until the end of days. And everyone always complains and complains about Keanu Reeves in that movie because I guess his accent is inconsistent it's, or something. It's but. not good. <laughs> but he's so sexy. He's so sexy and he's the crazy foursome with the wives and it's so weird. Yeah, and like oh. that role is fluff. That role is twink fluff. So like honestly, <laughs> at the end of the day, who cares? Let him be. Let him be his twink. Oh, oh my God, I saw on the internet a term that really repulsed me and I'd never heard before, which is twonk, which is like a, (laughs) you know, automatically what it, what it stands for. Uh, Someone's called someone's dad a twonk. I forgot. It was, it was really upsetting for me, Um, which I am not. I am twonk. I'm Twinkloof. Anywho, um, yeah, I, I want to take three seconds to talk about Dracula as a thing because that adaptation, so incredible. Probably, uh, probably my favorite incarnation of Dracula. I agree. It's, it's so good. Another personal favorite Dracula, I guess, moment or product out there. My one of my favorite musicians of all time, Mr. Philip Glass, like kind of minimalist composer, I guess, did like rescored the Universal Dracula film, and then they re-released it with. Oh my god! It is if you're out there, if you're out there, and I know you are, find the Philip Glass Dracula score. It's gonna make you feel spooky, and it's gonna make you feel cute, and you're gonna be walking around, and you're gonna think. Mm, like I'm, I'm spooky and I'm cute. Listen to it; it's really good. I love the vibe. I love I I love being spooky and cute. Yeah, I, which you often are. You're mm-hmm. off. You're often pairing the two. So. Thank you. 
Wow. Um, any other like Dracula moments that that like stood out to us in our in our upbringing, or parodies, adaptations, anything that like comes to you? I just love vampires. I just think about all the vampire movies I watched, like Dracula. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like the Bram Stoker one, which I saw at the age of like thirteen, which was inappropriate. Perfect. Um, No, it's perfect. I think that's the biggest one for me, honestly. That's um. I'm rewatching Buffy right now, which I recommend for anybody that's maybe thinking about doing that. In uh, on their season five premiere, they do like a whole Dracula moment. Oh, Any Buffy cool. fans out there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, they didn't do it well though. Sorry, oh. sorry, Buffy. By the time you're at a season five of anything, like people are tired. Okay, it's true. Do- people are doing their best. They're waking up early, but we're they're tired. And I, and I respect that. <laughs> um, I don't know if I want to get. Now I'm scared. Now I'm getting nervous. But I brought it up to one on one before this, and I think that I do want to dip into this a little bit because as I was watching Nosferatu today and doing some research on it, as uh as like a constantly suspicious paranoid Jew, I was looking at it and I was thinking, is this like? allegory for Junus? Anytime something from this era has a character with like a big crooked hook nose who's also kind of bald. And it's scary. It freaks me out. Also, whenever they're like... Half of his plot is he's like selling and buying property, which is like also a very... (laughs) I don't know. Classically. Right? It's isn't it? Like like he's like investing and stuff. And so I was like, is this is there some kind of weirdness with Judaism here? Because I don't know if the listeners know I am Jewish myself, so I always kind of have an ear to the ground when it comes to anti-Semitism. And it does seem like nothing is official, but there's a lot of speculation that Nosferatu and also subsequently the novel Dracula might be tackling the issue of the other and have possibly anti-Semitic undertones. So you're seeing this with um, the character's appearance. He's got long claw-like fingernails. He's got the hooked nose, large bald head. This is sort of what the stereotypes of the Jewish mm, caricature were around this time. And so it's kind of hard to believe that it was completely separated from this. You said yeah. to me though that um, the director of this film is known to have not have not been a Nazi. Can you <laughs> tell me a little bit more about that, or do you not have? And I can cut that out. No, I'm just a little bit like it seemed like he had like he. I think a couple of the actors he works with were Jewish, and mm-hmm. he was said to be like friendly with Jews. And you know, no. This is no, this no, is quotes. Quotes, <laughs> truly, and, like, no explicit. Yeah. You know, like when you, and this period is like right is like very much in the beginning of World War One. Like, I mean, of not World War One, but like the fascist rise in Germany and the, mm-hmm. like, the Nazis. And so, mm-hmm. I'm. I guess I'm, my one question is like, how prevalent were those images 
before this this time period because i actually i don't mm. know like what i don't know either because this is that, maybe like, a little early too like, so that's like, what i was wondering like uh-huh. when what's well, like the timeline because i cannot fucking remember because obviously i know there was a ton of horrific jewish propaganda in that time period but i'm, I'm sure it was bad this yeah. might be a minor pre like it might be a precursor but like by a very close margin so it's kind of hard to divorce the two but i have a feeling that he didn't realize what he was doing which is hard to believe it may have been subconscious early it was early enough and like the propaganda about that stuff maybe yeah and maybe it truly was undertones like maybe he like even within his own like subconscious it was an undertone um as you were saying there was this writer by the name of kevin jackson who unquote says that the director murnau was friendly with and protective of a number of Jewish men and women throughout his life. And I'm like, okay, I guess good for him. And this guy also notes that this director was homosexual and then kind of jumps to the conclusion on quote, would be presumably more sensitive to the persecution of a subgroup inside the larger German society. And what I have to say to that is as a homosexual myself, some of the most hateful <laughs> nightmarish <laughs> frightening entities I've ever met have been gays so I don't know if being a gay is necessarily going to make you sympathetic to the plight of other um, discriminated groups but maybe at this time maybe we were working together who knows so, I'm, I, I looked up Jewish propaganda history so sorry to RIP to my wow. church history because I was curious <laughs> a lot of it started in 1933. Oh, down the, the 10 years later. Yeah. And again, I am not well, disagreeing that this could like mm-hmm. about that interpretation. I was just more curious about like that era well, I, yeah, I the root not of it. familiar with like that era of history. I it makes me Yeah. It's just like so stupid, but I slot i don't know there's truly no basis for it and like as i was watching it i was like i have no basis for feeling this way but i feel this way and then immediately like the internet was we were everyone on the internet was like we also have no nothing to back this up but we feel this way too so that's kind of the energy and i think it's just due to the the appearance and i guess also the profession of count orlock yeah Oh, 100%, because especially now when we have all that information, it's like, hmm. But I wonder, ooh, I don't know if this is weird to say, but I wonder if, like, even Nosferatu could have been inspiration for some of that stuff. Oh, wow. That, like, I mean, snake eating its tail to some degree, but maybe. Again, I I have no real basis to back that up at all. But, but who's to say, like, just because the intention from the artist wasn't there, that, like, certain people can't invent it afterwards and say, like, come to their own conclusions and, and maybe oh, want yeah. to read anti-Semitism in it. And then, like, because they're anti-Semitic, it's hard to say for sure what was going on back then. But Germany was facing 20 rocky years ahead. There's so nothing is impossible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot. A lot going Oof. on in Germany. Um, but they did give us German expressionism, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful. There's so much more we can or could or would talk about with Nosferatu, but 
I don't know. I kind of feel like getting to the main event, which is the Robert Eggers remake, because this motherfucker has been in the works for seven long years and still has not. I know. Seen the light of day. Um, Before I pitched you this topic, I'm assuming you knew that Robert Eggers had his hat in the ring for a Nosferatu film? Yes. Oh, yes. Um, How did you feel about that when you found out? How did that feel to you? I was really excited, actually. I I feel like he is the person I'd want to make a Nosferatu movie because Mm. the movies he has made are so, like, strike the tone of the time period so well. And he's so extensive with his research in terms of costuming and, like, language and the aesthetic but it's also so full of dread and Nosferatu is terrifying Mm. like a plague is just like wrecking people's lives and everything and I really think he could do that modernized look at that okay hold up who is Robert Eggers? Who okay. is this girl? I don't know. Who's I've it? never seen one. Who I've, is she? I've seen one Robert Eggers movie. Oh so, my God. Yeah, who is Robert Eggers? I'd love to know. So Robert Eggers is one of these, like, he's in, like, the kind of same level as, like, Ari Aster. Like, the A24, like, elevated horror boys that kind of burst into the scene in, like, 2016, 2017. Um, with his what it was oh when was the witch Hold on. the witch I think was 2015 maybe even a little earlier 2015 okay I have no mm-hmm. sense of t- I have like literally no sense of time yeah ever. yeah all I I just realized that today because the very first mention of this Nosferatu remake was July 2015 and that was after the witch had already come out or oh, yeah, or, yeah, or yeah, was in was, the process of coming out the witch was the witch was 20, 2015 yeah so <sighs> so long ago I know but that was his first movie that was like so fucking creepy and it's set in the um like 1700s america so very <laughs> i was gonna say the woods <laughs> the woods yes but yeah. um, a very crazy religious families cast out into the creepy woods and things go awry and then we have the lighthouse mm-hmm. which is two men trapped in a lighthouse are kind of gay together um a lot of farting Aww. and it's again like Four by three aspect ratio, black and white, period. Do they like ever kiss or anything? Like, do we get anything? Almost. Like, they like have a lot of like very tender moments where they embrace together. Okay. And dance. Would um, I like it? You know me better than anyone at this point. <laughs> Would I like the lighthouse? Uh, I think you would appreciate it. I don't know if you would love it. Okay. I liked the witch. Like, Solid B plus for Josh. Then you're not gonna like the lighthouse. Oh, interesting. I don't think. I don't know. I I like the lighthouse, but I love the witch better. But then he also just did the Northman that just came out a couple weeks ago, which is again <laughs> another period specific movie, Vikings. But this is by Focus Features, and it had a huge budget, like bigger than he's had before. Mm-hmm. Bigger than he's had before, and it's really good. It's like a Viking revenge epic that. It's just wah, chef's kiss. I would say that's a good summation of Mr. Eggers. I always get his name wrong. I always call him David Eggers. And <laughs> I call him Roger. Um, I'm probably. So. Yeah, you do. We always call him David or Roger Eggers at work. And it's always a mistake. No, <laughs> never, I like, we always we've never, we've never joke that. that one day we're going to talk to him and we're going to fuck up his name. He's going to be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> no, we are. And I'm going to call it Nostarafu. 
I've never said Nosferatu right once in my life. You have a couple times. I'm really proud of you, actually. It's so hard. I'm proud. What did I, I? I had some good fake ones for it. What was like? What was the one I? Are you? No, it was like nose, nose something poo. Hold on, let me find it. Yeah, please find it. It was my finest work. I've never been such a talented. I'm vamping until she finds it. Um, maybe oh, I'm overhyping nose it. To, nose to ass poo. <laughs> <laughs> It's not as good, but it also it's better. It's really good. Nose to ass. <laughs> <Why? laughs> Say it again. Nose to, nose, nose to nose ass. Nose to ass who? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I literally just turned my computer off. Can you still hear me? Oh, my God. My screen is off. I have to put in my password. What if everything's bad? You're here. Hey, it's going to be fine, actually. We're good. Everything's fine. <laughs> Oh my god, I forgot my password wrong. I'm never oh, gonna be no. okay. <laughs> okay, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Wow. I'm gonna scary. keep that all in for authenticity. Actually. I love it. This is the way. This is the reality this of is... podcasting. It's just 90% How... panic. Yeah, 90% panic. And um 10% gay. Uh how was Bjork? And how was Nicole Kidman? The only two reasons I'd want to go see the Northman. Okay, so Bjork is in it for all of three minutes, but she's That's incredible. Okay. She's incredible. The, the he- Lena Quigley of the Northmen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh no, I I killed Mary Beth. I, it was only one most, heartbeat away from the crown. <laughs> that was the most incredible <laughs> joke I've ever heard. <laughs> Oh my god oh that was so good thank you our audience don't even know why i know um, it's, I, it's, it's gonna like neuter the joke but why is it funny uh because lita quigley is a queen who appears for two seconds in so many <laughs> horror movies and like just gets a check for showing up for like literally three yeah. lines and it's the best like i'm i love that for her it's incredible she doesn't show up i'm sure she has a green screen in her garage <laughs> and i i and i i I celebrate her more than I celebrate almost anyone else on this planet. I I agree. I love it. Did you did you know about her like 1980s like sexy horror workout videos? No. Yeah, it was like post Jane Fonda, but oh. like naked, sexy and naked, I think to some degree as well. Oh my god. Oh, what a yeah. queen. What a queen. We what have to queen. find we have to feature that. Um yeah, we love you. Okay, do you feel ready? Do you feel prepared? Do you feel stable enough to 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 dip into Robert Eggers' remake of Nosferatu? Yes. So back in July of 2015, Deadline reported that Studio 8, never heard of it. What is Studio 8? Do you, what is, do you know I what know. Studio 8 is? Nope. Okay, so in 2015, Deadline reports that Studio 8 and Eggers were on track to produce this remake of Nosferatu. At the time, Eggers had only produced The Witch, but it definitely, like, if I was a 2015 Hollywood producer and I saw The Witch, I'd be like, give him $5 million and let's make Nosferatu. Um, So, yeah, it was reported as early as seven years ago. And according to the Deadline report, it was going to be a visceral adaptation of the 1922 silent film and bring back the horrific vampire of Eastern European folklore to the screen. We had Jay Van Hoy and Lars 
Knutson Parts and <laughs> no, I'm gonna say this all again. We had Jay Van Hoy and Lars Knutson. <laughs> no. <Okay. laughs> Uh, 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 the production company Parts and Labor were going to produce. Um, so cool. And then about a year later, (laughs) we can do this. We're so good. We wait. A year later, IndieWire reported around November of 2016 that (laughs) Eggers was surprised that Nosferatu was actually going to be his second film. So much so that they quoted him saying. It feels ugly and blasphemous and egomaniacal and disgusting for a filmmaker in my place to do Nosferatu next. I was really planning on waiting a while, but that's how fate shook out. What? What is wrong with this man? <laughs> um, this sounds like someone that doesn't want to make this movie and is like making weird excuses. How do you feel? It just sounds like <laughs> such a pretentious art boy thing to say. You Ugh. know what I mean? He sounds like yeah. such an excuse to be like, no one wants to make this. Egomaniacal. <laughs> but he's truly a genius and has presented us some incredible movies. But he's a nerd. So well, okay. he's a nerd. Like his whole all of his movies are based on ridiculous amounts of research about the period and getting things like perfectly correct. And like it's really impressive. Mm-hmm. And Big like time. only a giant nerd can do that, and I respect that. And he's probably like, just like I have just poured so much shit into this movie. <laughs> yeah, and we're gonna get there, but that seems to be the energy that like there's been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears put into this remake. Am I wrong? And seven years later, it doesn't seem really like it's on track to camera anytime soon. Yeah. So that was 2016. Fast forward to 2017. Fast forward to 2017. And Variety reports that the witch star, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, fresh off of the movie Split at the time, was also going to star in the Nosferatu remake, but in an undisclosed role. How do we feel about this lady? I love her. She's incredible. She is gorgeous Mm -hmm. and she is so talented. I'm obsessed with her. Yeah, I'm obsessed with her too. She's just so alien which is kind of what I'm looking for in my like, in my lady leads. Yeah, I want like an Steve alien was, quality. It's funny. Steve and I saw the Northman, and he was like, "Anya Taylor Joy looks like a fish." Oh yeah, I was like, she looks I, like a beautiful which I love fish. that for her. A beautiful mermaid. Oh, like Aqua Marine Thunder Force Five Thousand. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! But, um, although yeah, pretty I amazing, but she has to be in the right it. stuff. In what? Fugachi was in Split. Oh, in Split. She's great in Split, to what I, to my memory. I did not like Split, but she was really uh-huh. good in it. I remember thinking Split was uh, what Split was, I guess, whatever that may mean. Yeah, it, it was problematic and kind of weird and, let's face it, stupid. But I think I was entertained. What was your problem with Split? I just... I really didn't like the end where it was like she gets saved because she went through horrific sexual abuse. Ooh, I don't remember that. Yeah. Ooh, like she okay. survived because he, his, the, the, the character with DID was basically like, because you've seen trauma and terrible things, like I don't need to kill you or some crazy shit like that. And I was like, I don't like Ew. how that feels about like what 
being traumatized makes you into okay m night Shyamalan. it was just like Thanks. not it didn't just didn't feel feel good and this is why all of these legacy filmmakers absolutely should be required to hire a female or lady identified co-writer for all of their scripts correct <clears throat> uh, guillermo del toro does this and i think it really helps it it certainly cannot hurt i think at this point i, in time. I agree so let 100%. these men continue to make movies, I guess, but like hire a lady to help them out. I'm here, guys. If you want any help, I'm happy to help. I have her email address, so just hit my DMs. <laughs> oh my god, I'm pimping you out. I love it. I'm sorry. No, I love it. Um, you got a cut. So it seems like once a year we're getting these mysterious updates on this remake. In 2019, we get another one. Speaking to Den of Geek, we get another bizarro quote from Eggers. And this time he says, look, I spent so many years and so much time, just so much blood on it. It would be a real shame if it didn't happen. Eventually, he also adds, but also, I don't know, maybe Nosferatu doesn't need to be made again, even though I've spent so much time on that. So this is the second time he's been quoted saying something along the lines of, like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be making this movie. Or is it even appropriate for me to be making it? Yeah, it does kind of come across as excusey, though. Like, maybe he's just not feeling it. Not feeling the fantasy. Or other, he's having a hard time getting a studio to feel the fantasy. Which is weird to me, because this is before the flop of... The Northman. Oh, I kind of feel like that. This, well, it's true. Like this is when he was, <sighs> I like really a golden child. Not to say that he's not anymore, but he's definitely. I'm guessing he's not due to the the, the, the nature of the beast. You know, you you get in trouble if your film doesn't make money. Yeah. Um. Ugh. So sad. I also think, and we'll get to this more at the end. But the fact that his recent big budget action movie didn't perform the way that people were hoping it would, it may it may be the reason that he goes back to doing smaller A24 horror movies. Yeah. It may even be the reason that Nosferatu does get made in the long run, but we'll see. Yeah. Um so there was a lot of speculation about who Anya Taylor-Joy was going to be playing. If you had to guess, who do you think it was? Do you think there's a chance it was Nosferatu? Oh, I thought it would be Mina. Or, yeah, she mm-hmm. would be the, the lady. Absolutely. I don't, I don't, I do not see Eggers um, gender swapping the roles. Look, I love Eggers, but I just don't, I don't think he's the person to do a gender swap Nosferatu. <laughs> Like, I just don't. I mean, I'd be happy if he did. I I wouldn't be, like, I think I'd be excited. I just don't see him doing it. No, I don't either. He seems kind of like, am I really off base by calling him a bit of a traditionalist? I was going to say the same thing, I think, a little bit. Yeah. So, just based on hearing him talk in interviews and his references and stuff, I think that he, yeah, I think he would want to go a little bit closer to old school. Which is, as you're saying, I think maybe okay for someone of his elk. Speaking to IndieWire, 
he also said that this is the thing. I don't want to throw around titles because I was throwing around my titles last time. And then he insults Guillermo del Toro basically by saying something along the lines that Guillermo del Toro throws around titles for projects that he wants to make that don't end up getting made like all of the time. And he doesn't want to do that. Like if he's going to announce a title, he actually wants it to be something that's going to get made. So and he calls, shady. He calls him Saint Guillermo del Toro. Doesn't this feel shady? Yeah, Doesn't it's this shady. Feel what is your deal? Well, how dare you speak ill of my husband like that? Honestly, get his name out of your mouth. <laughs> oh, I, do I have to cut that? No, I don't um, think you do. <laughs> okay. You but seriously, it. don't talk, don't talk ill about Guillermo del Toro. Also, if it wasn't for Guillermo del Toro, I wouldn't have... 30 episodes of this podcast. Yeah. Like, he's, yeah. We celebrate he the, the fact that he does this. A hundred percent. The king of development hell. Like there's endless, endless opportunities for episodes for him, featuring though, him. Honestly. I do too. It also just proves even further that like he is me and I am him. And one day I will be him. You know what I mean? Yes. So. I'm very excited for that for you. One of the most recent updates that makes it even more clear that maybe this project could be canceled was in a recent article in The New Yorker, where it was disclosed that there was a very famous pop star that was cast as a lead role, if not the lead role, in Nosferatu. So in The New Yorker, Eggers basically admits that they were going to start filming in Prague, and everything was ready to go. It and at the very last second, it was halted because Harry Styles backed out at the last second. Eventually, he would go on to confess that Harry Styles was not going to be playing Nosferatu, that, that he would be playing Hutter, which I actually think is great casting. I don't know if this kid can act. I haven't seen any of his movies. He wasn't Have you, have you seen him act in anything? Dunkirk. Yeah. I don't know. I don't How was know. he in that? Fine. I, I, there's never a world where I ever would have seen Dunkirk, so it's impossible for me to know. I only like saw it in passing because Steve was watching it. Steve loves war movies, and I hate them, so <clears throat> I, was I cannot them. do them. Mm-hmm. But I do get the sense that this kid could be a good actor. He seems like he's got good stage presence. Does that whole David it, Bowie thing? But it's also like such a good move to like this is the world we live in. Like if you cast a pop star, you're gonna make like so much more money because oh, everyone yeah. who knows him is going to flop. Like flop, flop, and, flock to the movie theater like sixty-five <laughs> times, and like we know, people love Harry Styles. I like don't, Harry Styles is not going away. I don't understand. I'm. I don't, I don't think understand. I don't like dislike him. I just like I stand <laughs> culture scares the shit out of me. I kind of know what you mean because it's unhinged. As someone that participates in stand culture to some degree, it's like we're violent. You and, are. Like, we're not thinking straight and. I think there's Animals. trauma involved, and You're I can't feral. exactly tell you to what degree. You're fucking yeah. feral creatures. Yeah, we're fucked. I think for for when it comes to Harry Styles, obviously it's all down to One Direction and like a certain generation being obsessed with One Direction as children and then not letting go and then sort of That's digging so deep as adults with his solo career. That's so weird. <laughs> it is weird. I want I want to support the Harry Styles as a person that never cared about One Direction. It just like wasn't my demo. No, I, I want to support the solo career. The aesthetics are correct. It's true, and like I feel like the moves are in the right direction, but like the music's not interesting yet, and I w- I really want it to be. 
I like some like of watermelon his, I sugar. Like, like what? I do, I was just listening to that song today, actually. Oh, you were. I love like, that it's song. it's not offensive for sure. It's just it's just, it's like just it could fun. Be better. It's a good summer. It's just like a, yeah, I know. It's weird. He's like <laughs> he's like very he's very much straddling this line between being weird and very commercial, which I think is fascinating. Non-committal to gender norms, which yeah, is cool too. We- yeah, it's it's interesting. It, it, I mean, I listen, have, it's, it's, it's queer baiting at its finest. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm a, I'm of two thoughts there, but also like I'm okay. With he's that. introducing some stuff to people that maybe wouldn't have been exposed to like gender fluidity kind of stuff. So I mean, in that regard, I can respect it. I think that he's lucky because he's coming around at the exact point in time where it's no longer risky. And it's just kind of cool. But yeah. that's not his fault or whoever's making these decisions for him. Yeah. So, because if he was doing this, what, five years ago, it would be hugely risky and, uh-huh. like, uh, yeah, dangerous. And it, it, it just isn't now. Now it's just kind of high fashion to to do, to sort of straddle that line. Yep. But I like it. I do um, too. <laughs> so he has this new album coming out. Or maybe it is out. I, I don't think, I think it's, it's out yet. It's called out. Harry's House. I think His new out. album's out. I don't know if this is a complete fact, but I'm going to run with it as though it is one. One of his like first major press moments for this new album was to be on the cover of a magazine. But instead of a music magazine, he was on the cover of Home and Garden to like really push. I did see You know that. what I mean? Yeah. So he's like yeah. the dirt and his like, feet are out. Yeah, it's like it's to to press the concept album element is like kind of ironic and kind of like kind of an artsy move, and it makes me laugh. I, I I'm okay it. with him in this. Like, I don't know. I'm not. I'm. I'm not anti that casting. I don't think it was. I would be surprised if Eggers came to the table saying we have to cast Mm-mm. Harry Styles totally or I'm out. That was like a studio decision. It was a studio decision for sure. I, um, I respect, and it that. seems. As though Harry stepping out of the picture, he says it was to do with his, like, scheduling conflicts. But at the end of the day, when someone blames scheduling conflicts, do we ever really believe that? I don't really. It always kind of, like, it could be anything, really. Yeah, Neggers isn't happy. Again, speaking with IndieWire, he's talking about how the film's fallen apart twice. (laughs) He clarifies that Harry Styles was going to be Hutter and not Nostrafu. But he also starts wondering out loud if the ghost of Murnau is just telling him, stop it right now. Like, you don't have the rights to make this movie. He's getting, like, kind of spiritual with it and thinking that maybe the ghosts of the original filmmakers are sort of just getting in his way. And I know it's not really what he means, but Cursed he's films, right. season three. Cursed films, season three. <laughs> I was actually thinking that this whole time that like could this be a cursed films episode and I guess it could be. It could Why be. not, honey? <clears throat> exactly. Honey bear wine newt. Okay. <laughs> um are we ready to conclude? Are we ready to go to conclusions territories? I am. I'm ready. Okay. Well then the major question for you and I think you know this cuz you've been here before. Are we going to get to see the Eggers version or not? We get to decide ultimately if it's going to happen like we're the big wigs. We have the yeah. money, honey. Yeah. So we get to decide. So we have to be very careful with our answer. And I'm going to give this one to you. Is the Eggers version of Nosferatu ever going to happen? I think it is. I'm manifesting. Mm. I'm manifesting. You're manifesting this destiny? Yes, okay. I am. 
This is a course in miracles and we're going to miraculize it. Okay, cool. I just would like to see Eggers go back to horror, even though I've never ventured out of horror with him because I haven't seen The Lighthouse or The Northman. I just like, why would anyone not make horror movies? Why would you, why would you, why would you make any other genre? That's crazy to me. Come back to horror, buddy. I agree. And I think you might, especially after the last two. Yeah. Mary Beth. Hello. Hi. Hi. If you wanted to be found on the internet, where could you be found? So you can find me at mb mcandrews on twitter you can also find my podcast scarred for life at scarred podcast mm-hmm. my other podcast is currently on hiatus watched once never again which is at wona w-o-n-a podcast and of course dread central at dread central dread central what's that never heard of her crazy number one horror so- publication on the internet baby yeah, yeah, yeah. Number one, certainly not number two. Never number two. Never Only number, number two. one. Okay. Never, never Numero. heard of her. Never Who heard know? of number two. <laughs> Something, and obviously everyone in the world is hyper familiar with Dreadlines, the weekly video series from Dread Central, you know, going through all the best horror news headlines of the week. At the end of that, you always give a movie recommendation, and I kind of feel like we deserve one here today. Oh, I God. want like a famous Mary Beth horror movie recommendation, even though you were not given. <laughs> Any warning, any it wasn't. signal, I wasn't. any yeah sense that this could be coming your way. And I think that that's beautiful because now you have to be authentic I do and live in the now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So trying to think of a good vampire movie. So it's at least oh, yes. on theme. Okay. Very so I'm going to recommend one that might be a little bit um, controversial here. Wow. But um, I'm going to recommend Daybreakers, the 2009 vampire film starring Willem Dafoe, who should play Nosferatu in the new one due to his performance in uh, Shadow of the Vampire, where he played uh, Max Shrek. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, it's just like a really wild vampire movie that i am obsessed with it's not like perfect but it's really fun and ethan hawk i think i saw that one in theaters and i remember all i remember is that they do something different (laughs) that's all i can say Mm -hmm. is there something like outside of the box when it comes to daybreakers or so does that mean anything to you yeah so it takes place in like not necessarily post-apocalyptic but a society where a disease spread and gave everyone vampirism and so the world is now like exclusively vampires with like rogue humans living on the outskirts running from vampires because the vampires are running out of blood. Uh oh. They're trying to make synthetic blood and oh. it's like not working. And then they find a cure and it's, it's wild. Cool. I should revisit that one because I think I saw it in theaters and never again since. And sometimes I like to think that Ethan Hawke is in it, which yes. doesn't feel correct. Yes. He is. Okay, good. Yeah, so, so clearly, slight memories I'm going to have to revisit it. Was there a sequel? No, I don't think so. Okay, interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on yet another episode of Development Hell. We are so grateful and we love you. I love you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for listening to Development Hell. If you enjoy this podcast, then please do us a major favor of leaving us five stars and writing a positive review. It really makes all the difference in the world. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode of Development Hell. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.